captain of the USS Enterprise, a starship commander. Hello everyone, this is Rico, and this is a special midweek edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. This will be podcast number 98 for January the 17th, 2007. It's a Wednesday. We're only a couple of shows away from uh, podcast number 100. We're going to do a very special, as they say, a very special edition of uh, Treks in Sci-Fi. Today, we're going to do a uh, show dedicated to our favorite captain, Captain Kirk. This will be a profile show. Been meaning to do this for a while, but uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back with that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, hey everyone, welcome to uh, this uh, special edition kind of midweek show. I've done these uh, off and on again uh, during uh, the, my run on the podcast. It's uh, been a couple of weeks since I did a Wednesday show, but I was kind of uh, feeling the need. And I thought that uh, for this special Wednesday edition show, I'm going to do uh, what I've been talking about a few times. Had some suggestions and requests from listeners to do this. I'm going to do basically a uh, sort of a character profile show this evening or whenever you're listening to this. This evening right now for me, it's like uh, six, a little after six o'clock. Just had a little dinner and going to sit back and talk about uh, Captain Kirk. This is going to be, uh, give you a little bit of basic uh, of his history uh, through uh, growing up, Starfleet, uh, some of... uh, his notable exploits and missions. Uh, try to uh, try to keep this a little bit of a shorter show, but just uh, kind of go through a sort of a uh, Captain Kirk biography, I guess you could call it. So we'll be starting that here very soon. Just got a couple of announcements to make uh, before we roll into that. Uh, the first one still, uh, which I said a couple of uh, times on the show, I'm going to be doing a very special, another, I'm saying that again, I'm going to do a very special uh Podcast number 100, uh, the weekend of uh, January 27th. going to record on the 27th, I believe, and release it on the 28th. And what I've been asking people to send in, and I've got a few so far, uh, to send in some audio comment about what Star Trek has meant to them. Uh, I'm not going to get into a lot of detail here, but basically, you know, um, if you've enjoyed it, uh, what you think about Trek... uh, Maybe a little comment about what your favorite uh, episode or movie might be, uh, if it's had any positive or even negative influence on your life. Uh, send those things in. I'd like. To, I'm going to try to do a segment in, in show number 100 about that. You can always email that to treksf at gmail.com or call the voicemail line at 206-88-TREKS. So that's the first announcement out of the way. Uh, the second, there will be a normal uh, weekend show this weekend. I probably going to be covering a DS9, a Deep Space Nine episode, is uh, what I'm looking at doing right now. A couple of possibilities for episodes, but I'll be settling that here in the next couple of days. Uh, So that'll be this weekend. 
And then that will be podcast number 99, which will leave uh, podcast number 100 for the weekend after this one coming up. So looking forward to that. Going to try to do it as a webcam show when I do uh, uh, episode or podcast number 100. So I think that'll be fun. Uh, I think uh, maybe you have a few prize giveaways, uh, maybe a little trivia for the people that are tuning in live to the uh, recording to win some things like I've done before. I think I did that on the anniversary show, so uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. It's hard to believe I'm uh, actually getting close to of uh, recording 100 of these things. <laughs> uh I'm, usually when I start something, I, I usually stick with it. Uh, it usually takes quite a bit to kind of pull me away, and I've I've had a good time doing it. Uh, met a lot of interesting people uh, through email and on the website and forums that are going real well. So, uh, And if you get a chance, check those out. Uh, we've got a nice community going there, some new members, and a lot of good things happening. So uh, I think that's about it for announcements. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to take a short little break here, and what I want to play here to kind of get us in the mood to uh, talk about uh, our, our favorite uh, starship captain, or at least mine, uh, good old Captain Kirk, I'm going to play a, a poem, actually, that was sent in to, uh, to me uh, today from uh, Rick Moyer, one of the newest, uh, or a newer member on the forums, but his partic- participation is uh, very good and great so far. And I really appreciate uh, he sent in some audio for last weekend's podcast. Went over real well with the uh, the audience. They seem to enjoy it. And this is uh, Rick's uh, take on Captain Kirk. It's called Ode to Captain Kirk. So I'm going to play that, and right after that I'll be back with uh, my look at uh, Captain Kirk. Hey, Rico, this is Rick from Aberdeen. I just wanted to say that I think Captain Kirk is such an icon. So because of this, and his style of acting, and his ability to survive each week even after several red shirts lay lifeless on the planet, I've composed a poem just this morning for him. And this was tough, because what rhymes with Kirk? Not much. Okay, here we go. Ode to Captain Kirk by Rick I write this poem for the guy on top, who disables his foes with one karate chop. Show after show, with dazzle and surprise, he commands with Spock on the Enterprise. What a stunning profile and cool-looking hair! It's almost a rush to see him in his chair. Barking out orders to Chekhov and McCoy, using his phaser to stop alien ploys. Klingons hate him, and Vulcans agree. His logic eludes them, but his passion is free. For every girl or lady alien he tips, winds up kissing this guy on the lips. Oh, Captain Kirk, you are the man on the show. You help us dream big as you boldly go. Where no one has gone, not even in cars, with the help of Sulu you fly through the stars. So save us again, Chief Captain of the series. Explore new planets and let Spock share his theories. Even though we've seen you a hundred times before, it's with great anticipation that we come back for more. May your journeys continue in Movie 11. I hope you get acting before you wind up in heaven. For to see you once more on that big silver screen would be a crowning achievement of a lifelong lived dream. Go for it, Bill. Don't ever get stuck. Your character rocks, so never give up. Take us once more, and through the stars fly on, please. Thanks, Captain Kirk, for the fond memories. There you go, Rico. (laughs) Yeah, Captain Kirk, he rocks. Thanks for the cool podcast. Keep up the good work. See you later.
Wow, that was great. Uh, I really appreciate that, Rick. You did a, it was a really good job. Uh, wonderful. Uh, you know, I, I've tried to write poetry kind of things before in the past, uh, little things a long time ago. Don't do it too often anymore, but uh, I've uh, I've done some sort of humorous poems more recently. I'll have to maybe uh, post some of that sometime on the forums, but that was great. I really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time for uh, putting that together and sending it in so quickly. Okay, everyone, uh, sit back, get comfortable, or maybe not, depending on where you're at. If you're driving in the car, don't get too comfortable. But uh, we're going to now get into uh, our character profile of James Tiberius Kirk. Uh, obviously, everyone knows him very well, uh, Star Trek fans uh, worldwide, as the captain of the USS Enterprise. But we're going to go back uh, back in the past a little bit to begin with. Uh, we'll try to do this kind of in chronological order go through some of the highlights of his life and career and talk about a few things. So uh, to start with, um, and I'm going to also do, as I go through this, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of mention things that are what's called uh, uh, Star Trek canon. In other words, things that have been shown on either in TV episodes or movies. And then uh, I'll also mention some things that have been sort of in the books and things that have been put out. Cause there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge number of Star Trek books and novels out there about Kirk and, of course, about Star Trek and the crew of the Enterprise in general. So most of what I'm going to talk about is going to be based on the TV series and the movies, but there'll be a few things that to try to fill in the gaps a little bit, the things that haven't been really shown that much in the TV series or movies that we'll talk about. Well, to begin with, uh, James Kirk was born in Iowa, uh, and that has been, you know, Pretty much uh, said a few times, but uh, most notably in Star Trek IV: The Motion Picture, not Star Trek IV: The Motion Picture. Excuse me, Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home, uh, where he mentions that line to uh, uh, Doc, the Doctor, the Whale Doctor, uh, about that he was born in Iowa, but he just works in outer space. So he was born in Iowa. In uh, and this is sort of an unofficial comment uh, or unofficial piece of it. Uh, there's a town in uh, Iowa called Riverside that has sort of adopted and claimed that they are the birthplace of Captain Kirk. So, And Gene Roddenberry kind of, before he died, he kind of approved that more or less. I guess as much as you can approve something like that, I don't know. Uh, so Riverside, Iowa is sort of the typical, if you know, if you really want to stump the uh, you know, other uh, sci-fi guys and, and gals and, and geeks out there with uh, where was Kirk born, you know, a lot of people know Iowa, but Riverside, Iowa is the is the common known place, or at least most people go uh, go by that these days. So let's see the um, his parents uh, again. This is not canon, uh, but generally from the books and things that have been put out, his uh, father's name was George Samuel Kirk, and his mother's name was Winona. Again, those are from books. Haven't really been mentioned on screen. However, Kirk has a brother, or had a brother, depending on your. Um, tense, depending on if you're talking about Star Trek uh, tense or, or current day tense, Kirk had a brother named George Samuel Kirk. And there was a book written that uh, sort of was um, about uh, Kirk's father uh, when he was younger, when not when Kirk was younger, but when Kirk's father was younger and he was in Starfleet and his name was George Samuel. So the idea was that um, Kirk's father had a son named one of his sons after his own name, and then named uh, Jim, James Kirk, uh, also. So Kirk had one brother, uh, George Samuel, 
uh, and uh, no no other siblings that were that we know of. Like I said, his mother's name was Winona, but that was again from books and literature that's been out there. He was born on March 22nd, or will be born. I'm going to have a problem with that this evening about tents and things. So let's just say he was, we'll, we'll just put it in past tense based on the fact that all this stuff is in Star Trek lore that we've seen. So we'll call it past tense, then I'll just stick with that. So he was born on March 22nd, uh, 2233. The date's been determined, I, I believe, uh, on screen but the, the the actual day is actually William Shatner's birthday, but that was sort of adopted as Kirk's birthday also. So that's how that came about. Uh, not a lot is known about Kirk in his, in his really young days. He, he was uh, obviously a pretty smart kid, uh, did well in school. You don't know too much about that uh, until he gets into uh, Starfleet Academy. One thing that is known, though, when he was around 13 years old, uh, his family, or at least he, was on a planet called Tarsus Four, and witnessed one of the one of was one of the only survivors of a uh, massacre by that guy named Kodos uh, that was uh, talked about, and there was a whole f- episode um, in the original series about this. He was one of a few individuals. Uh, Kevin Riley was another one that witnessed this when he was a very young boy of thirteen. Witnessed this huge massacre of thousands of people on. Tarsus for so that was one big event that happened in Kirk's early life he uh, at about the age 17 he enrolled in Starfleet Academy which would have been uh, around 2250 and uh, was was quickly you know he did very well quickly rose up through the ranks and eventually became a instructor at the Academy instructed Gary Mitchell actually uh, and was a very serious student when he was in the Academy he just uh, they, there are comments in the uh, some Star Trek episodes about he was a, a, a walking, you know, kind of textbooks with legs. And, you know, there was a comment, I think Gary Mitchell in Where No Man Has Gone Before says, uh, watch out for Lieutenant Kirk in, in his class. You either, uh, what is it, sink or swim or something like that? I'm trying to remember the exact quote. But basically he was he was very serious teacher, very ser- serious student, and, and really uh, tried hard to uh, – to become an officer and to learn all that he could about starships, of course, and and the Federation and Starfleet and so forth. So he was an instructor for a period of time. Was assigned uh, as a young ensign to the USS Republic with uh, a gentleman who was on that ship that was involved in an episode, um, the episode Court Martial, Ben Finney, which uh, formed a very good friendship with Ben Finney. And eventually, actually, Ben Finney had a daughter and named her Jamie after uh, after Jim Kirk. So that was uh, his good friend. However, there was an incident which is recounted in the episode Court Martial that uh, kind of stopped that friendship. But uh, Kirk was uh, very, very um, fast to rise through the ranks in his early career in Starfleet. Oh, the... Um, the line I just uh, took a quick look. The line that he actually says is, "You either think or sink." That's the line that Gary Mitchell uh, re- repeated to Kirk in "Where No Man Has Gone Before." The uh, around twenty two fifty four, Kirk has become a uh, a full lieutenant and then is assigned to the USS Farragut, where he spent a number of years under um, Captain uh, Garavik, who he very much idolized and was 
was very uh, Captain Garavik was very much responsible for Kirk's command style, uh, being a, a firm yet uh, you know the type of commander that could make good decisions, uh, put his crew and ship first. Uh, a lot of things that he that Kirk eventually picks up on he learns from Captain Garavik aboard the uh, USS Farragut. However, Captain Garavik is killed and a number of other uh, people in the crew by that gas cloud uh, that is also um, comes back up in the episode Obsession of the original series. So that really, uh, it it was something that haunted Kirk for a long time, which is why in in that episode Obsession that he's so obsessed with with chasing down that gas cloud. So that that is uh, another major incident that happened to Kirk in his early career. Uh, the next phase of Kirk's career from the, the years uh, right after uh, Starfleet Academy, uh, even after he was aboard the Farragut, uh, around 2254 this would be, that there's about a 10-year gap there that there's not a lot of information about Kirk. Uh, it, obviously, he's promoted pretty quickly. Uh, I'll already say he ends up being the, the youngest captain in Starfleet history. But the, the idea here, and it's been in some books a little bit and touched upon, that he eventually is one of the people responsible as a lieutenant commander and then a commander to oversee sort of a, a slight refit to the Enterprise after, um, after Captain uh, Christopher Pike comes back with the Enterprise and, and uh, the command is eventually then, after it's been refitted, turned over to uh, James Kirk as the new captain of the Enterprise. Oh, I just uh, just realized there's a couple of things I forgot to mention. Uh, one of them was there's a comment by Gary Mitchell. This is back when uh, Kirk was in the academy and as an instructor that uh, Gary says something like there's a little blonde lab technician that uh, he sort of uh, hooked Kirk up with at one point when he was in the academy as an instructor. It's been conjectured that that was actually Carol Marcus, who uh, we meet, of course, in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan where um, Kirk finds out that he actually has a son, David. Uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but the the reason I wanted to bring that up is just that, you know, Kirk has always been, you know, Starfleet and the Enterprise, and his his duty to all of that has always come first. So he's never really had a, uh, a real serious relationship or a wife, of course, but probably Carol Marcus came closest to, to being that person. And eventually, like I said, you know, as most people who are listening know, he eventually finds out he has a son, uh, that Carol had a son sometime after he left uh, uh, left her or whatever you could say and went on then to, um, to sort of raise David on her own. And she didn't really want, uh, want David to be in Kirk's world. That would, She was afraid that he'd sort of, um, you know, basically turn him into a uh, another Kirk and be out there chasing galaxies as she says I think so so that uh, that is something in Kirk's past that's pretty important I kind of skipped over that sorry about that uh, that was during uh, his uh, academy days okay we've got up to the point uh, where Kirk has uh, just taken command of the USS Enterprise from Captain Christopher Pike who's promoted to uh, fleet captain the uh, this this date uh, it varies depending on where you look. Uh, I go with uh, twenty two sixty four as the date uh, Captain uh, Captain Kirk took over command of the Enterprise. It's um, sometimes listed as twenty two sixty three depending on where you look. Not a really a big deal, but uh, the uh, as as most people know again who are listening to this Star Trek type podcast, 
Kirk's uh, exploits with the uh, the solid crew that he put together, Spock, McCoy, Scotty, Sulu, uh, Uhura, Chekhov, and so forth, and, and the rest of the 430 crew members of the USS Enterprise are, are legendary, even in Starfleet history, let alone, of course, Star Trek history. Uh, they they basically mapped more planets, uh, did more you know, had more first contact situations, and and really wrote the book basically on a lot of things that that are uh, that are done throughout you know the later Star Trek series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and so on. Uh, Kirk and his crew were uh, even legendary, like I said, in Starfleet. And I'm not going to go through a lot of that because obviously it's out there in episodes and, and there's not really a lot except to be said. Uh, obviously, Kirk, uh, over his career through uh, early days in Starfleet and even once he was captain of the Enterprise, won numerous awards, commendations from uh, Starfleet Command, uh, was a very decorated hero. Uh, he just um, he was an excellent excellent captain and commander was able to use his crew's abilities to the utmost was a great decision maker uh, a couple of little side comments about uh, kirk and his uh, his personality and his characteristics he's a little bit of a womanizer as as always has been known uh he but he is still mostly in love with uh his uh his ship his enterprise he likes uh spicy foods that's mentioned a few times in the tv series and in the films he tends to try to stay in good shape, works out, uh, things like that. Uh, he's also got some, uh, he mentions a couple of times that he has some roots to um, the founding of America. He can trace his roots back to that time frame. He idolizes Abraham Lincoln, uh, he is one of his great heroes, and little things like that. He, he's he's very, uh, good diplomat, uh, very good diplomat, very good at reading people. Uh, a lot of things uh, that make up his personality, that makes him who he is, work very well for um, for being the, the captain of a starship. I think uh, Spock says the line to him uh, in, um, I think it was in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, that uh, you know he tells Kirk, I'm getting again a little bit of ahead of myself, but he tells tells Kirk that you know it was a it was a mistake for him to accept a promotion that his his first best destiny is command of a starship and that's really what he's cut out for and what um, what serves him best and there are uh, there are a few specific incidents I want to mention uh, Kirk loses his brother George uh, who he actually affectionately calls Sam uh, he mentions it's the only only person that uh, that his brother allowed him to call Sam George Samuel Kirk dies in the episode Operation Annihilate, uh, along with uh, Aurelian, his uh, wife. His uh, nephew, Peter, survives that uh, situation, so Kirk does have a uh, sort of a, a slight heir, a nephew at least, not a, not a son because David's eventually killed, which we'll get to in a few minutes here. But um, So that happens. That's, a, that's an incident in Kirk's life that affects his family. You never really, though learn or hear much about Kirk's parents anymore. You don't really know exactly what happened to them, how long they lived. Uh, his uh, his past is not really well seen on screen. It is uh, detailed a little bit in some of the Star Trek novels, but but truthfully not really that much. Uh, one side note I'm going to kind of mention, you know, this Star Trek movie discussion about Kirk and Spock in, in their early days in Starfleet Academy, the the possible or, or slight benefit to that situation is that, like I said uh, a few minutes ago, a lot of that portion of Kirk's career is not very well known. There's a couple of incidents, 
there's some time frames and places that he was and on certain ships and plate and, and situations but there it is fairly open there's there's a good gap of time there where it's fairly open and there's not a lot known so there is some time frame to be filled in so they've got a, a little bit of a uh, a free hand in that, of, although of course Kirk uh, has to survive, and most of his main uh, cast or not cast, excuse me, crew members, everyone that we know, Spock, and there's talk of other of, of younger versions of, of some of the characters like McCoy and Pike, maybe Scotty showing up in the film, but uh, that is going to be an, an area for them to discover uh, a lot more about Kirk uh, from that film. Okay, let's move on uh, a little bit uh, quicker. Quick, quick up the pace a little. I wanted to keep this around a half hour or so. The um, the Enterprise returns after its uh, successful completion of its five year mission in twenty two sixty nine. Now this uh, this is a kind of a momentous situation because uh, of the uh, Constitution class starships that were all sent out on these five year missions. The Enterprise was the, the the first starship to come back relatively in one piece. With most of its crew, most of its crew still intact, so that was a uh, a huge, huge uh, boost to Kirk's career. He is promoted to uh, admiral. He takes uh, charge of, of Starfleet operations and kind of uh, is uh, becomes a desk jockey, so to you know, so to speak. And and really, like I said earlier, it doesn't suit him very well. He he belongs out there making decisions exploring strange new worlds all that kind of stuff so when V'ger shows up and the Enterprise has been going through this refit under uh, Captain Decker Kirk is very quick of course to uh, to take the Enterprise back as, as best he can and you know the, it's hard to say whether he wanted that to be a permanent situation but with what happened to Decker in Star Trek the motion picture it, obviously it becomes sort of a semi-permanent situation uh, after the V'ger incident which takes place, let me look real quick. Yeah, that takes place around 2271. So, yeah, the Enterprise comes back, five-year mission, a couple of years of a refit going on approximately, and then 2271 or so is when the V'ger incident is for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Now, the what is said uh, when you look, do some background checking on this is that there was another sort of second five-year mission that uh, after the V'ger situation that Kirk and his crew were sent back out on. That's another thing that's not really been very much explored. Uh, there are probably books out there that explore that time frame. I know I've read a couple of them. I don't know how much detail has been put out. I'm not completely up on that. But if anyone you know would like to send in an email or an audio or something about that, I'd be interested to, to know what's supposedly happened during that five-year mission time frame. But uh, the uh, when when the Enterprise does come back around twenty two seventy seven or so, the uh, or a little before that, Kirk accepts a position with Starfleet, uh, teaching at the academy again, and moves into that uh, apartment that you see him in in, in San Francisco that you see him uh, in at the uh, early part of Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. The things that happened then are, are pretty much detailed in the movies. Uh, the Wrath of Khan thing happens, Spock dies, Kirk steals the Enterprise for Star Trek III, uh, or in that film, I should say, goes to rescue his friend Spock, and and that, because of that, he's he's demoted. He's, he's, they, they basically, in a way, they, they, reward, they reward him by demoting him. They, they bust him down from Admiral to Captain again, 
but give him command of uh, the new Enterprise 1701-A, and that's sent out to uh, to explore a bit. And then you have the incidents that happen in the Star Trek V motion picture with Cybok and you know meeting that alien godlike thing or whatever. That's around the time period of 2287 or so. And then uh, there, there's a little bit of a gap at that point in time. Uh, you come into Star Trek uh, VI, the movie, The Undiscovered Country. It seems like most of uh, Kirk and the rest of his officers and crew have have sort of retired or are retiring from Starfleet. Uh, Spock is still kind of hanging on as sort of more of a diplomat. And uh, they're kind of pulled out of uh, retirement or at the very brink of retirement to go on that one last mission that happens then. Uh, and, and Kirk and his crew kind of spearhead this Kittimer uh, mission to Klingon and to the, the home world of, of, uh, of Klingon, to Kronos, and to try to uh, make peace after many, many years um, of fighting with the Klingons to be friends with the Klingons, just like the Organians predicted way back in the episode Errand of Mercy. Oh, I, I did kind of skip over, although I mentioned earlier, you know, in the... Um, Star Trek Three motion picture, David, of course, Kirk's son, dies. You, you see that the Klingon uh, kills him on the planet, and, and David kind of sacrifices his, himself, just like his father would, to uh, to save Savik and the uh, regenerated Mr. Spock. So that uh, is also something that affects Kirk greatly, and I think he never really got over that situation. And he kind of got a sense of his uh, mor- mortality, I think, a little bit uh, I want to say the uh, along those lines, Star Trek V. While the, you know, even though it's it's maybe not one of the better motion pictures out there, there's a few things that are kind of interesting in it. One of the comments Kirk makes in the beginning of that movie is about uh, with uh, Kirk and Spock around the campfire scene, where Kirk basically predicts kind of his own death. He says, uh, you know, when he falls off that mountainside that he's climbing, he says, "I knew I wouldn't die because you guys are with me." And he says, I, I always knew that uh, as long as you're with me, I'd be okay. And he says that if he, um, when he does die, he'll die alone. Kirk is sort of, I don't know whether he had a dream about it, something like that, but he's kind of predicted that situation that as long as he's with his good friends, that they'd always be able to handle anything together. And it was sort of fortuitous, which is um, what happens in the Star Trek, um, the first Star Trek uh, Next Generation motion or movie, excuse me, uh, Star Trek Generations. Uh, what happens with Kirk there? We'll talk about in a second after I get a drink of Gatorade. And this show is not sponsored at all by Gatorade. All right, that's better. In around 2293, right after, or not too long after the whole Kittimer incident in Star Trek, uh, the events of Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, Star Trek VI, that movie, at the beginning of uh, Star Trek Generations, you see Kirk, uh, Scotty, and Chekhov inspecting the Enterprise B, commanded by Captain Harriman. And that's the, uh, at the beginning of that movie is when Kirk is presumed killed by that Nexus ribbon, that energy field in space. And you think that he's dead. Everyone assumes that he's dead. But, of course, as we know from seeing that movie, Kirk is actually uh, put into the this, this weird area of uh, time and space called the Nexus. And Star Trek, the Star Trek Generations, that movie, Picard uh, ends up also in there. 
and pulls Kirk out of it and and sort of uh, gets him interested back into uh, making a difference, into doing something rather than sort of just existing inside the Nexus. And so Picard tells Kirk he can't defeat Sauron alone, and Kirk comes out, of course, in, in heroic style, and uh, between Kirk and Picard together, they defeat Sauron, but uh, Kirk ends up falling off that cliff uh, bridge thing and falls and is injured badly and dies. Um, that, uh, you know, a lot of Star Trek fans are really unhappy with that death, that they thought it uh, it wasn't fitting for Captain Kirk. So, you know, William Shatner actually has written several, I think at least six or seven now, Star Trek novels. I've read maybe half or, or three or four of them, I think, that are pretty good. Um, the first one, I believe, is called uh, Star Trek The Return, and I don't give too much away, but basically you could tell uh, Kirk sort of returns in the, in this book. And if you're interested in, in maybe a better uh, fate for Captain Kirk, uh, I urge you to pick up some of those William Shatner novels out there. They're, they're pretty well written. He gets people to help him with those. He's uh, a, a very straightforward kind of writer, easy to listen to, or I'm sorry, easy to read type of books. So that's... Uh, Truthfully, that's the major uh, bit of Kirk's career. And uh, Captain James T. Kirk, captain of the USS Enterprise, and uh, probably, uh, you know, one of the greatest heroes in Starfleet history. He gets mentioned, you know, in the later series. He gets mentioned in Deep Space Nine uh, a couple of times. Uh, He gets mentioned in Voyager. Uh, He's, of course, I don't think he's really mentioned in Enterprise because that was a prequel before Kirk's time. But it's, uh, you know, he was a, a very distinguished officer throughout his career in Starfleet and, you know, saved the galaxy countless times, uh, stopped the bad guys, all that kind of stuff. I have to throw in a little bit of um, commentary, I think, now about, you know, William Shatner playing the, the role of Captain Kirk. I, I think sometimes, you know, these actors that have become so associated with a particular role it's hard to separate the two a little bit. You know, Shatner is Kirk, and Kirk is Shatner to some degree. And and I think uh, a lot of what made Kirk uh, who he was as a as a character in Star Trek is needs to be sort of um, attributed to William Shatner, the actor. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it, uh, I think most people probably listening to the podcast must like it pretty much, I would say. But the, the two of them are sort of inseparable to some degree, and I think there's a lot of... Uh, you know, William Shatner is sort of a larger-than-life kind of uh, person, it seems, and I think Kirk is that kind of a character in Star Trek, and the two of them kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand, so, And that's uh, kind of Rico's character profile for uh, Captain Kirk. I, I think this is kind of a fun thing. I, I'd really like to get some feedback from uh, the listeners out there, what you guys thought about this. I know it was a fr- fairly quick go-over of his career in history, but... I thought uh, as a as a start as as doing these character profiles, I like to do do them on some of the other characters, the main characters on not just the original series but Next Generation and so forth. Uh, this uh, this was simple or, or relatively simple for me because I think the character of uh, Captain Kirk is pretty well outlined and pretty well detailed out there. I'll put a few um, references to where I found some of this information uh, up in the podcast notes for this uh, special uh, podcast. And I think that's about it. I'm going to end the show with a little bit of a song from that uh, Star Trek-inspired rock band, again, called Warp 11. 
So I'm going to play a little of that at the very end here. But I just want to say thanks, everyone, as usual, for downloading the show. Hey, if you get a chance, if you're enjoying these uh, Treks and Sci-Fi podcasts, zip over to Podcast Alley and give the show a vote or throw up a review on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, there are links to all of that at the treksf.com website, or you can just go to treksinsci-fi.com. Both of those will get you to the main website with all the collecting galleries and frapper and you know all kinds of things up there forums pictures video clips audio everything all kinds of goodies so take a look at the website if you haven't been there in a while i've been really doing a lot of tweaks and improvements over the last few months on it and uh until this weekend everyone uh, have a good rest of the week stay warm if you're someplace cold like i am it's really cold here today although the sun was out so that was kind of nice Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye for now. I'm a man on a mission. I'm a man on a quest. I got a green girl on my I'm a shiny arrow upon my chest The sun is my god now And the stars are my map Push the engines to the limits Am I ever coming back? I'm a man on a mission To where no man has gone before I've been gone for five long years I can't take This has been a Rick Dosti podcast production.